Hey everyone, welcome to Ask the Podcast with Alka. I'm so grateful. Thank you to each and every one of you who come back week in and week out to listen, learn, and grow. And I am so grateful for your valuable time. Now, as my commitment to you, as my community and my audience is to help find people who are making an impact, who are helping us to live a life more deeper and meaningful. And my guest today, Doug Dame, is a survivor of physical, emotional and sexual abuse and violence and has gone on to create a life of freedom. Now, for the past 30 years, Doug has helped thousands of entrepreneurs and business owners and has recently spent the past eight years under the wing of Bob Proctor, Mm -hmm. heading the division of Proctor Gallagher Institute. Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So, Doug, I do want to start off with talking about your book. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And the book, Mistaken Identity, Stop Hiding, Start Living, A Guide to Letting Go. Absolutely. Uh, Now, for most of us, you know, we've gone through traumas, challenges, adversities in our lives. And it is so hard to let go of the past. Mm Mm-hmm. We think it's hard. I thought it was hard. It's not as hard as we think it is, (laughs) but we make it hard. We make it hard. Absolutely. Make it hard. And I can truly resonate in the chapter in your book, I've had enough because in my marriage, you know, I was, I was ostracized from the family. I was um, not made to be fit in when the family was around or friends and family, I was ostracized. And that was such a traumatic part of my life because my family was born in in the UK and I was here in Canada alone and in the marriage alone because I wasn't made to fit in. Now, we don't always have to fit in, but when you are faced with that trauma, now for me, it was more verbal abuse every single time. Right. And so when I published my first book, uh, Cocoon to CEO, Living the Life of Your Dreams, I had butterflies on the on the cover to depict freedom. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that was freedom. I had the wings to fly and I could live my life. And in your book, you talk about ego and mm-hmm. how sometimes ego, when we want to change, when we want to change our life, the ego will always come into play. And as Bob Proctor says, you know, your paradise, that that's what holds you back. You want right. to achieve the success. You want to have the future that you want, but your ego keeps you down. Yeah, people, um, listen, I didn't understand anything that you're talking about right now um, up until a number of, of years ago. Um, I mean, I was in business, you know, since 19... 19- I guess 89, I got into business um, and was trying to, you know, figure it out, failed miserably in the beginning, but became, you know, successful. But I, I was brought up, uh, at least in the business world, um, learning certain things about um, being, you know, successful and, and achieving results. And, you know, I think we all feel like we can always be doing better and, and doing more, but I did not understand 
a number of things I now understand, which made it so much easier. And, and Bob always said, you know, so the only problem we have in the world is, is ignorance. And what he meant was we just have lack of awareness. We don't understand. So very few people understand this notion of ego. They've heard the word ego, and but they think in the confines of, well, he's got such a big ego and <laughs> she's egotistical. That's not what it is at all. Um, and we really have to understand um, what's really controlling us. Um, I've spent, you know, like you said in the, in the intro, I mean, I've talked to thousands of people, literally, one-on-one. Um, -on -one, um, I mean, I just spend my days talking to people, trying to help people. And um, I was trying to figure out for myself um, why I wasn't doing as well as I thought I could be doing. And I was doing pretty well. Um, but um, I, I just couldn't figure it out. And then I, then I figured out and talking to all these people, I now know unequivocally without film, no, no amount of self-help, no books, no course, no seminars. None of that is really going to work unless you clear up this mistaken identity that you have. You see yourself a certain way, like in your case, you know, being ostracized, you know, in a marriage and, and by your family, it erodes your perspective or your opinion of yourself. I mean, First off, people had the wrong opinion of you. They didn't know, they didn't really know you. And then they just, they drill in their opinions. And um, our ego, um, it, it doesn't like, it doesn't like change. You know, we, uh, yeah. our ego is defined by our, our history and our upbringing. And the ego likes to say, stay, stay safe. You know, I, I don't yes. want, I don't want any change. And if you set out to make changes, your ego, it's like a, your ego is not a thing, but I relate to it. I call it my cellmate. You know, you get stuck in an emotional prison and your right. cellmate just does not want you to leave. You're trying to break <laughs> out and it doesn't want you to leave. You know, you hatch your It wants prison. to protect you. It wants to protect you. Well, protect itself, you know, not really protect. You don't need protecting. You know, authentic self doesn't need protecting. We don't need to protect our emotions and protect ourselves or anything like that. But that's what the ego convinces us that we need to do. So, so how did your journey begin? Who is Doug Dane? And how did your journey begin? Well, it began at the very beginning. It's, you know, is in the book is uh, at six months old. I was given up um, uh, for adoption. Well, I said I was given up for adoption right away as a baby, as an infant. A newborn and then I spent the first six months in a foster care home and then I was adopted by a, a really violent alcoholic family so the first 15 years of my life was just violence emotional abuse physical abuse um, a lot of violence watching my parents they were very violent alcoholic people beating each other up and you know beating us and it was really really bad and then when my parents split um, I was just free to run the streets and I ended up you know uh, hanging out all kinds of places, you know, skipped in school and um, got hooked up with this ring of uh, pedophiles. And so 13 through 15, I was uh, sexually abused. And then that ended my kidnapping at 15. And then, you know, naturally you turn to coping mechanisms. For me, it was drugs and alcohol. Turned to that. And I was, I grew up in a very poor family. So I was working in factories and, you know, different jobs. And then I got the bright idea. I wanted to be in the business. And my dad had passed away, left some money. So I got into business with this really awful guy I didn't know at the time. And I blew all the money that uh, my dad had left me, went bankrupt, uh, landed back on my feet. And then um, I, I went to a seminar. Um, and it was a weekend seminar in Toronto. And it was called You Were Born Rich with a guy named Bob Proctor. I'd never heard of him. I had to borrow the money for the ticket. 
And I went to that seminar and I learned some things I didn't know. And um, I figured out at least how to earn money. And so I became successful in business, but I struggled most of my life internally, just, you know, not really feeling good about myself. Uh, a lot of anxiety, depression, a lot of second guessing, a lot of negative talk, a lot of chatter in my head, you know, uh, and just really, really struggled. Now you wouldn't have known it in the business world because I looked like I had it all together and I was doing well, but internally, you know, I became a really good actor pretending that I had it all together. And I just, I struggled through relationships, you know, marriages failing. Oh, I was wrecking them. I became my father. I became a philanderer. Um, and I really, really struggled. It was really hard because deep down, I'm a really nice, genuine, authentic guy. I was authentic in every area of my life, but relationships. I couldn't figure what the hell's wrong with me. And I kept saying that. And it was, I was 39 years old and my marriage, second marriage failed. And I was in marriage counseling. And the counselor was asking me questions. She, she like they ask you the family history questions, right? And I I couldn't answer them. And she said, I, I think there's you know some trauma and abuse in your background. I go, and she knew because it was all blocked out. There must have been something because yes. I had memory. I go, no, no, there's no, there's not. Said, well, you might want to you might want to take a look at your past if you want to stop screwing up your future. <laughs> And so I did this investigation and I went back. So, but, you know, the story I just told you up to 30, that was all black blocked out. I didn't remember really anything. And I met police officers and the detectives and teachers and family and friends. I got my records from children's aid and my adoption records, all these records. And I put this whole story together and then I went public with it. And I felt that the key to letting go of all this junk of how I felt because now I had the story and I go, Oh, no wonder I feel the way I feel. No wonder I've been doing what I've been doing. I got excited. I thought, man, I, I got to get this out there. Right. So I went public in the national news. I was on television and a newspaper books. And then I was speaking about it. And then everybody was pursuing me going, how did you do it? And I couldn't tell you how I did it. I, I could tell you what I did, but I couldn't transfer it to you. And then my heart, really was breaking because I had all these people that I couldn't help. You know, mm -hmm. I wanted to, and I was doing my best, you know, I was trying to help them and support them. And then I got into working with Bob and I was, you know, coaching people all around the world. You know, just this, this message, this mistaken identity just kept coming back to me over and over. I, go, I think people, mm. I think they're mistaken about how they see themselves. Cause I was mistaken. I met Bob and he saw something in me that right. I felt, but I didn't believe in. But he believed in me. And mm -hmm. he got me to, to, to see it. And then I did see it. And then I started to, you know, basically start being myself. And I started to become free. And so I just pursued, you know, how to do it. And I wanted to put it in some format that I could give it to you, where you could duplicate what I had done. And the only real method I could come up with it was fast with a book. And so that's why I wrote the book. But Doug, I absolutely love the title Mistaken Identity because as you said, um, most of us, we're living two parts of our lives. You know, we um, we don't know what is that identity. We know who we need to be. We know what we need to be doing. Mm -hmm. But we, we tend to go a different direction. And we're not, like I said, we're not authentic. And you right. need to be authentic. And I was having this conversation with a friend yesterday and we were talking about um, your to be authentic, to 
to be the person that you are wanting to be as a woman, you know, CEOs, we need to be authentic. Yeah. And yet we go through life thinking we 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 need to be this person. We need to be uh, we need to be a different person. Mm. And as Bob Proctor, you know, he he teaches us that you know you need to be authentic. Um, you know, your paradigms will always come in your way. You know, mm. it was that trample the terror barrier. Right. At the moment, you try to strive for success. Now, did you have any setbacks? Or were there any um, barriers that you faced when you first started, when you got into business? Oh, no, never. Never? Oh, no, never. <laughs> Not a one. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, listen. Of course, points. yeah. Yeah, no, of course. Listen, a couple things. Um, this notion of authenticity, it's its a really nice buzzword, you know. You need, yeah. you should be more authentic, Alka. Well, that's, that's not that simple because we don't really understand um, why we're not. Um, but what is authenticity? What is authentic? Well, uh, here, here's my version of it. I think, I think the problem is when, when you were little, you know, and I, this, I tell you, kind of take you through the first part of the book is explaining why yes. you're yes. not authentic. Mm-hmm. And so when you were little, you, you just, you got programmed with, you know, all these biases and prejudice and rules and values. And you know what I'm talking about from your upbringing. And um, when you're at first, you're an imitation, you're, you're imitating the adults. So we eat what they eat. You know, we talk yes. to what they talk. But when they get your attention, they can see they have your attention. That's when they start driving in the rules, values and beliefs. And um, they're judging you. Um, if you don't get it right, then you're judged, you're, you're, you're punished, you're criticized, you're yelled at, teased, whatever. Um, and you were also seeing them judge everybody. So they were judging others. They're judging each other. They're judging family, friends, the neighbors. They're judging you. And so then you start judging yourself. Right. And very early on, it fosters this idea that there's something wrong with you. And you start to feel inauthentic. You start to feel off track. And you have no control over it. You're just little and you're just thinking, oh, this is the deal. And so very early on, we get knocked off course of our own authenticity. And then there's a couple things that are going on. And it, it's more dominant than ever before was a and is uh, there was a real strong compulsion for conformity. You were expected to conform and mm-hmm. to fit in. And what will the neighbors think, you know? Yes. Uh, and then that of course, bred a fear of criticism, worrying what people will think. And so we we stopped stepping up and stepping out and showing up because what will they, what will people think? You know, and I want to fit in. I don't want to upset my family, my friends or whatever. And so that's why we got off track. So, and then today, today's world, you know, in the world of, you know, books and self-help and personal development and podcasts and social media, all this stuff, right? Um, the whole mantra is you got to fix yourself. And I go, stop trying to fix yourself. The key is to be yourself. Don't ask what's wrong with me. Ask what's wrong with what I believe. What's wrong with how I was treated? What's wrong with who I'm following? That's, Interesting. A, better, that's a better question to, uh, to ask. And so, of course, to the other point of your question, of course, I went through obstacles and failures. But here's what I did not know. But then who doesn't? <laughs> what's, well, yeah. But we, we, that's another. We, we have, we have a, a poor understanding a failure. I love failure because because failure and temporary defeat is called course correcting. I I didn't know this, but now I know. My mind is a goal seeking mechanism 
My mind directs my brain and my nervous system. I'm in control of my mind. And if I meet with temporary defeat or failure, that's like a sign on the highway, road closed, go the other way. Now, I didn't know that because failure to me was, oh, you're such a failure. You're such a loser. And, and of course, I grew up saying that to myself. Why? Because I felt that way about myself because of how I was treated. And then, of course, I was making mistakes that backed up the very belief that I had. And that's why, Doug, affirmations are so powerful, is what we affirm to ourselves that truly makes us believe that we are or it, or it doesn't. So when you affirm it, like for me, like first thing in the morning is I do affirmations. Right. What do I believe in myself? How do I set myself up for the day? Right. To truly make it the day. So, Doug, I really want to, I really commend you for everything that you have accomplished and the book that you know that is out mistaken identity and friends you got to check out the book and we'll drop the link uh, later Doug so you can let people know where they can buy your book right. but so we've talked about the ego and how the ego loves to keep us in that safe space because it doesn't because it doesn't like threat the moment we try to change etc so i want to talk about the traumas and the tra and the challenges and adversities that people have got that people go through that you have gone through and mm -hmm. i want to touch on um especially the sexual abuse because any kind of abuse whether it's physical abuse or sexual abuse it is so hard I know for myself, so I can truly attest to that, it was very difficult for me to let go. Now, the question for to you, Doug, were there any, did you, was there a um, personality type that you, uh, was there a cause that you had perhaps a personality type when you were faced with sexual abuse? Did you, Sorry, find, you understand the question? Did you find that, um, there was a certain personality type that you were portraying? Oh, I see. Um, hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, I think I've never really thought about it that way. I think I would say that I um, I was definitely, uh, for, me, for me personally, I was definitely trying to pretend uh, like I had it all together, for sure. Um, I think... I think, well, as I think about this now, I think it's very common. In fact, there was a, I was doing some research because I wrote an article for um, CEO World and um, they were asking me you know, some questions for the article. I did some research around um, the success of CEOs that have experienced childhood trauma or adverse childhood experiences. And um, a high percentage of them uh, were very, very successful because I think it turns you into this, you know, real type A potentially. Uh, a real hard charger, um, probably potentially a workaholic, um, always just trying to perform and, and to validate yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was searching for validation um, to make myself feel good about myself through my, my results, through my, my work. Uh, and then for me, I just needed love and validation from a relationship um, to make me feel because I never got any of that as a kid and I had no sense of it. So I think I was, I was, I was really starving for that. And I realized I had that all wrong. I didn't need love and validation from anybody. 
Uh, that was you a, it from yourself. They, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It was a bit, well, I needed it for myself, but I was actually going to the wrong place for it. You know, find it. Yes. Yeah. And, and so uh, I think those were probably some traits that, um, and experiences that I had. What, what would you say, Doug, was the catalyst? What was the catalyst for the change when you were starting out? Did you reflect back on the, in, of your past, the, the, your past traumas? Did you reflect on the past? And if so, what was that catalyst that actually got you to the change, got you to live a life of freedom? I think there was, throughout the whole story, I think there was three uh, critical turning points. Obviously, um, at 39, the discovery that there was this story in my past I blocked right. out. That was, a, uh-huh. that was a big explanation, of course, right? Um, and that was 2001. And then it was until 2013 that I started um, learning through uh, Bob Proctor again. And I went to work for him in, in 2014. Um, and that was a big shift, too, because... Bob, of course, knew the story. Um, it was public at that point. We had talked about it. And he just kept saying, Doug, he said, just let it go. Stop stop talking about the past. Bob, you don't really understand. And I said, okay, Doug, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, and I didn't think he really understood because he didn't go through what I went through. You yes. Know? I mean, he had a rough life as a Depression-era kid and all that. And, but I didn't think he really understood it. And he just kept you know, uh, hammering away. But one of the catalysts, of course, was in in working with him. As I said earlier, I discovered that um, I could take responsibility for my anxiety, my depression, and all my mistakes and challenges that I was in control of my thinking. And I got really, I mean, that was a slap in the face at first, because Bob really slapped me in the face. And because he said, he said, Doug, this is all, this is all your fault. It's it's all your problem. Nobody's going to do anything about it, but you. And I go, He's right. And so I took control of my thinking and then things really started to change, but it wasn't really until it was literally summer of 2021. I was in his office and um, uh, I, I was talking about this mistaken identity for years. And I was really, I was seeing like, like everybody I was talking to was struggling with the same problem, regardless of whether they were wealthy or poor, happy or miserable, whatever. And, um, but I was still struggling. He said, Doug, he said, you're still letting this stuff get under your skin. I go, no, I'm not. He goes, yes, you are. I go, no, I'm not. He goes, go look in the mirror. And if you saw my face a couple of years ago, I my skin was very red and blotchy, rosacea. He goes, literally, people are getting under your skin. I go, bugger. He's oh, right. wow. And then, and then he said, listen, he said, Doug, this is so simple. I've been telling you, it's so simple. It's so misunderstood. You're making it so complicated mm-hmm. and you're taking too long with this. This could be instant if you'll accept the idea that it can be. And in that moment, I go, he's right. And then it's like the dominoes. Everything fell into place. It just clicked. And that ever since then, I've just been telling people, listen, I wasted way too much time trying to figure this out. I took way too long. I made it too friggin' hard. I said, listen, I'm going to put this together in a book. Because I now know how easy it is, and it is, and that was that was the big, that was the big. Because I'm I'm 59, I was 57 at the time, and go man, oh man, I'm wasting so much time. Time is life is time short. Time is precious, yeah. Time is precious. Yeah. Time yeah. is short. So that was a wake up call for sure. Exactly. Well, 
all of us, we have to go through a wake up call, you know, to really push us, to really help us and guide us. Okay, what are we waiting for? What is that life that we want to create? What is that freedom, that life of freedom? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And for most of us, we can spend, like I said, you spend a lot of time sticking and holding on to that negativity, holding on to the past yeah. that doesn't really serve us. Yeah, well, it's so it's a it's it's a common problem. Um, of course, I experience most people do is that we our society and the way we were raised, we were taught a few things. Uh, we were taught to worry about the future, but we can't control how the future is going to happen. Uh, we're definitely taught to dwell up, dwell in the past and dredge up the past and make ourselves and other people feel guilty and ashamed for the past. We, it's a, it's a habit, right? We it's just, a habit. Right. Mm -hmm. And what we do, you know, in, in the present moment, when you're not focused on the past, the future, when you're sitting in the present moment, you start to get these ideas and these inspirations of what you'd like to do or who you like to be, or in my case, you know, how I want to make a difference in the world. You get these ideas but then the habit is we go to the past as a reference point to predict the future. And we talk ourselves out of the very thing that hit our heart. And that's what we got to get straight. You've you got to get this right. Is that if you want to do something or be something and it's really on your heart, you, you must be that person already. Otherwise, you would not want it. you got to get that straight. But because of your mistaken identity and your experiences and all your evidence of the past, it's very easy for you to use that as a reference to predict and plan your future, and then you don't. You've got to, uh, absolutely, you've got to be that person. It's not the other way around. You don't have right. to have or do, you've got to be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But we're just, we're so, we're so locked into this, you know, this, perception of ourselves and if you're really honest like if you're listening to this or you're watching this, if you're really honest with yourself and i just you know you said people need to to have a wake-up call i think sometimes we're responsible to slap people in the face and wake them up because if i got that happen that happened to me i was lucky you know i got the wake-up call i got the slap in the face i don't know how long i would have taken to figure this out um but uh, we uh, um what was I going to try to say there? Um, oh, I lost my point. <laughs> you were talking about being. Yeah, you've got to be the person in order to have what you want, in order to have the life of freedom. Yeah, geez, I, was, I had a beautiful point. I lost it. <laughs> that happens. No, I don't say that's what I was saying. I was saying if you're, if you're listening to this or watching this, you got to be honest with yourself. If you, if you got to be honest with yourself to start. And if you're honest with yourself, you probably would say that you don't really have a good opinion of yourself or you have some negative self-talk going on. Or if, if you have any of that going on inside, okay, you got to get this straight. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just things that are wrong that you believe or wrong that you experience. And we really got to get straight with ourselves and take a really honest inventory and do what I call a blameless autopsy. An autopsy is you try to figure out the cause of death. Well, maybe we need to be born again. And um, just take a look at, okay, why do I feel the way I feel about myself? And that's kind of what I try to do in the book is get you to kind of unravel that and then, and then just basically create 
um, your own rules and values and standards and, and live your life the way, like just to be yourself. That's the ticket. It's all about being yourself, but we're afraid to be ourselves because we want to conform and we're worried what people think. And you got to break free of that because that's what's really causing people a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. That, that That's true. And that that's where, you know, people need to have that shift. And you talked, Doug, just now about people need to, so so that identity piece, I, I really want to focus on that. So your identity, you are born with a certain identity. And how do people change? I mean, as we, you know, in adulthood, um, as we, you know, get older, we tend to change. We tend to change to be a different identity, whereas we don't need to. And that's how we, we get mistaken. And that's how we we, as you said, we're not true to ourselves because we are one person and then we're trying to be a different person. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's well, it's again, it's just um it's very common and typical. I think I think it's very rare that you get the benefit of being brought up in a family where your parents uh, and the adults around you are aware um of this. Um, and you grow up confident. Uh, it happens once in a while, but it's very, very rare. Um, and you listen, you're a unique individual when you arrive. There's nobody like you. I was funny. I was watching um, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was being interviewed by his daughter about Father's Day. And his daughter was asking him about, um, you know, what's the what are the greatest insights he has as a father? Because, you know, what's the, the most surprising thing to me? was all four of you children were all raised the same way in the same house, da, 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 da. All four of you were, were all was raised the same, but you're all so different. Mm. You know? And we are all so different, but then we get pigeonholed or, yes. you know, we get like a, that story, the, the pumpkin in the jar, you know, like where a little pumpkin, a farmer poked a little pumpkin in a jar and the pumpkin grew to the exact size and shape of the jar. Right. And we're all like we poke ourselves into into jars of our own making or um, uh, so I think that's what happens to us. And then we feel, you know, we're stuck literally in a jar. Right. And we we're stuck as this person. And um, we have to just we, we have to become aware of this. Like I, that's what I'm trying to do in, in, with the snake and identity is try to get you to understand what is why are you feeling off? Why don't you feel like yourself? Why won't you be yourself? Why are you questioning yourself? Why don't you like yourself? Why do you have self-loathing, shame, guilt, resentment? Why Why do you have all that stuff? Um, and I explain it quite simply as to where it came from. So when you understand where you got to go, oh, that's why the book's so effective because you just go, this is so simple, you know? And then what you can do is then you can change. You got to change your mind. And, and listen, as humans, we're just habitual. We we're lazy and we're habitual. We just we just want to get up and survive. You know, right. we just 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 tiptoe through the day and just try mm-hmm. to make it to the end. You know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's in our nature. Now that's in our nurture. In our nature, on our heart is we just we want to grow and we have these desires and we want to express ourselves and we want to we want to just we just want to be who we are. And just stretch our legs and, and fly and create, you know, be a successful, you know, leader, whatever it is, you know. And then we're, it's no wonder we're frustrated with ourselves because we're stuck in the jar and we don't know how we got in the jar. 
and we don't know how to break the jar. Um, and so we just accept that's what life is like. But then one day you wake up and you figure it all out and you go, oh, can't believe I wasted all this time worrying what people were thinking and da da da. And then you fall asleep, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. we just wait too wait long. Yeah. So. so, Doug, why can't people follow through with what they truly want? Why is it? What happens to people at that moment? that they want to strive, they want to go through. Like you said, you know, people are very relaxed. They're very chill. They they yeah. just want to, they're just surviving just that moment. Yeah. But they know that they want more. But what happens to people? What happens in that moment? Why is it that they can achieve what yeah. they want? It, it, listen, it's frustrating. Um, I got I got frustrated. I didn't understand. So, um, like, again, very few people. I didn't know. Like I spent 25 years in business and succeeding very well. I was at the top of my industry in, in the country here in Canada. I was doing well, um, but I did not know how my mind actually worked. And so we operate really from an unconscious habitual perspective. We we're like a, our mind is a machine. It's like a thermostat, it's programmed and it just runs. You know, if the temperature goes up, the air conditioner comes on. If the temperature cools down, the furnace comes on and, and it just, it regulates our life. And so when you just when you go to make a move or make a change, like for example, you know, I'm so tired of hearing everybody talk about how to change habits. Very few people understand how to form habits because they don't understand the habitual mind, which is the subconscious. And so it's just it's habitual automatic, right? And so just when you go to do something, like say, I don't know, start a business or or expand your business or take that. You, you think about that risk you want to take. I, like I got a meeting today. I'm going to Toronto. I got a meeting. We're planning some some to make some moves, right? Some big moves. But and and even for me and many others, you know, the the old subconscious, the psyche, the ego, that false self, mistaken identity goes, Doug. What the hell are you thinking? I, would, I wouldn't even bother going to Toronto. Like, I mean, <laughs> skip the meeting. I don't even know why you're driving down there and spending three hours. What the hell are you wasting your time for? And that's what it does to us. It's, it's, we have to recognize it. We have to know, ah, my, my ego, my false self, my mistake. And anything, it's trying, it's like, um, do you remember the Flintstones? Yes. Yeah. Yes, remember absolutely. The Fred, the devil and the angel, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what it's like. Right. And so we got to listen to the angel because the angel tells the truth. And the angel, it always, whatever the angel tells us, it feels good. That's how you know. You follow what feels good. And so the, follow your gut, follow your gut, yeah. your intuition. Yeah. Well, just, which is your, your intuition is, an, is a tool that connects you to your heart and to spirit. And, and, it, and you regulate it by feeling. And so you, you follow the feeling. So if you have a good feeling about something, even though you're scared, even though you have no evidence you can do it, even though your track record shows you you're an idiot for trying, you know, you, you just, you got to follow the heart. You got to follow the feeling and pursue that. And then if you can make, if you can take one step, one action, then you're going to get a reaction that confirms. It's called the boomerang effect or cause and effect. You, you, you create a cause that's positive with a, from a positive feeling, and then you get a positive reaction to the action. And you go, ah, and then you, you're on the right track and then you make another move. But same time, that cellmate's yapping away. Don't do it. Elka, you're nuts. You know? 
Doug, did you did you believe that you could have the life of freedom? I know you, you you said that finally you achieved that, you had the life of freedom, but did you believe? It's one thing to have the life of freedom and the traumas that you've gone through, but yeah. did you believe that you could have the life of freedom? Well, you know, I love Neil Donald Walsh. She defined it as um, uh, wishing, hoping, uh, believing, and knowing. Um, I definitely wished. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> hoped. And um, I think at an intellectual level. But you level, have it. But you have uh, yeah, it. now. But at an intellectual level, I did believe it. But at a gut, I didn't really believe it. Like Because at, at the gut level, at the subconscious level, all the junk lies in there. You know, you're, you, when you just, if you ask somebody that question, they go, yeah, I really believe. But when you trigger the belief in what you want, it also triggers like poking a sleeping bear, right? And then I got to a point of knowing how this works and that built up my belief. So when you know how this works and you know how your mind works, you know you know, how your ego works and you know how you, your mistaken identity works against you. You, you, you keep pursuing in spite of it. Do I have up and down days? You bet I do, you know, but there's nothing wrong with that. I I get depressed, but there's nothing wrong with it. I'm up, I'm down. The sun goes up, the sun goes down. That's life. That's normal. It's just, I don't quit anymore. Exactly. And that's the worst that can happen. And when we quit, on our goals, we quit on a success. So it's taken that quantum leap. Like, you know, you've, you're endeavoring to a business, you've got a meeting later on, but that's the quantum leap that you want to strive for and that everybody needs to strive for. Yeah. And so what we're talking about is that mistaken identity and not to let that mistaken identity, that ego that will come out, that will prevent you from doing things that will prevent you from living the life of freedom that will prevent you doing so many things, but then not to quit. Yeah. But there's one big mistake that we are also taught to do that we make very often is we go ask other people for their opinion. Yes. And that's and not always, not always the right opinion as we know. No, no, because they they have a viewpoint on you yes. and they have a viewpoint on what you want to do from their own mistaken identity um, and then we were just taught to go ask people for their opinion and you'll ask people for their opinion and they don't even know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> but, but they you, don't even know what they're doing as well. They yeah. Might not be, yeah. Yeah. But we just, we just want some validation from somebody else. You know? And that's not always the right thing. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, we seek in validation absolutely all the time, every single yeah. day, but it's to follow that. As you said, you know, follow your, um, your gut, your mm-hmm. inner voice that tells you that's the right thing. And if that's the right thing, because I know that was me about 10 years ago, I was stuck in my own paradigms, uh, my limiting beliefs, oh, can I do this? Can I be successful? No, I would. And the moment I would know that I'm striving to for that success, that inner voice will tell me, no, Alka, I don't think you can. No, I don't think so. And then I would start to believe that. And that is the trap that we all fall in. Yeah is second guessing and those limiting beliefs that hold us back from achieving. I'm glad you brought that up because I was just, just before you finished that and said second guessing, I was thinking about, I call it first guessing. Okay. Um, so 
you know, listen, you, me, a lot of people, we think that our, our gut and our intuition got us into trouble. No, uh, you got you to gotta drop that idea. Um, people do this all the time. They go, you know, on one hand, I was thinking I would do this. But on the other hand, maybe I should do this or maybe I should do that. I was going to do this, but, and I always say, it's called second guessing, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's not called first guessing. Right. So go with your first guess, not your second guess. Maybe I should do this. That's it. Mm-hmm. Don't go, maybe I, okay, it's not called first guessing. It's called second guess. So if you're second guessing, go with the first guess. Right. It's Because everything we do, you got to understand that your mind if, if I have my, if I have an idea, that's the first guess, right? I get this idea. It just hits me. I can, I conceive of an idea. Um, if that idea goes against my experience, my, my self-worth, my beliefs, anything like that, immediately it creates a second guessing. And that's your sign. That's your clue. That's your clue. That's your clue. You know, I'm on the right track. Otherwise I wouldn't be second guessing. But we do second guess to uh, to keep us safe. We second guess. Well, but everybody second guessed us. I, I watch parents a lot. They're, the kids running across the street or down the road, don't get hurt, Doug. And I go, let them fall. Like we're, we, we, were, we were second guessed right from the very beginning when we were little. That you know? protection, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it didn't protect us at all. I mean, in some respects, I mean, Listen, some things for sure you got to keep your kids safe from, but man, oh man, we are keeping kids. <clears throat> we're not protecting them at all. We're setting them up for failure. You know why? Why do you th- why do you say that? Well, because you're 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 limiting them. You're you're if if listen if I'm if I'm five years old and I just I just want to run, you know. And my mom says, don't run too fast. You're going to hurt yourself. I mean, they're, they're silly examples, but we don't pay attention to this. Mm-hmm. And so we, we just keep constricting our growth and restricting. And we build fear up uh, in our children's minds. I think, I think kids are, are second guessing themselves more than, more than ever. And I think it, it's getting worse. I think we just, we got to let, I, I just, I don't think we should be passing on rules, values, and beliefs to our children. I think we should just help our children form their own rules, values, and beliefs that suit them. Now, there's some mm-hmm. rules and values, like don't run into the middle of an intersection. That's a good rule, you know. But we shouldn't be passing along. We shouldn't be not. We shouldn't be instilling our beliefs into children. Into children, right? We should just let the children form their own beliefs. I think we should just find out who they are, mm-hmm. pay real close attention to who they are, and help them become that person. Absolutely. I, I agree with that because children um, are not also made to think. Right. A lot of times parents or grandparents are thinking for the child yes. and they they don't know. And so they get lost, yeah. whether in school or in the outside world, children are lost because they don't know how to think because that thinking, that process has been uh, you know, instilled by the parent or the grandparents. Yeah. Do you ever wonder why there's so many adults are struggling in the world? Because they're still kids. It's called adult childhood syndrome. Interesting. 
We can expand on that, please. That, that is so interesting. Yeah. Well, one of my chapters in my book is called Grow Up. Like mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to grow up. I was acting like a kid. You know, I, was, I was being childish or childlike, you know, uh-huh. childish. And what happens is, um, you know, young people, basically, they're not taught to think for themselves. They're, they're not taught to make decisions. Their parents, I mean, I have clients, you know, their parents are dead and their parents are still influencing them, you know. And, and so we, we just, we're, we're very childish in the way we approach our adult life. We're reactive. We, we, we act out, we, we yell, we scream, we get angry, we hurt people. It's very, we're very childish. You know, we're, there's just a bunch of adults um, or a bunch of kids walking around in adult bodies. And now they're raising children, you know, now that's really harsh, but it's true. If you're honest with yourself, we gotta we gotta grow up, and because especially if you're raising children, you gotta grow up. Because all you're doing is just, you're just passing on to your kid. Now listen, I know you're doing your best. My parents, I don't have any blame towards my parents. I mean, they were they had a tough life. I mean, they came from a tough place, and it's no wonder they treated themselves and each other, and ultimately me the way that they did. I, I don't blame them. It's not it's not their fault, <clears throat> but. Um, I made my mind up. I wasn't going to repeat that. Listen, I could have become an alcoholic. I could have become a, a child abuser. I could have become, you know, a man that molested boys. I mean, the, the man that molested me, that's what happened to him. Right. You know? But, we, you know, we got to grow You home. chose that path. You chose yeah. that path not to go that way. That's right. Yeah, that was a conscious choice. You know, mm-hmm. I could have easily went that way. So. We all have a choice, Doug. We all have a choice. And um, I love what you just said. Um, you know, your parents, they, you know, the way they brought you up, whether, you know, it was violence. I mean, it was violence in the home growing up because they weren't taught any better because because of their parents. Exactly. There was that lineage. Yeah. And oftentimes that's what happens, you know, um, whether it's the, the father, the father projects onto his wife because of how his father had done onto him. And so it's very unfortunate. And so I want to talk about that the 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 identity because even as children, you know, they as you know, we agree that they they are lost. And as you know, um, even as parents, you know, they are they are childish. They're childlike internally in an you know adult body. Mm-hmm. But how can as viewers, people listening? How can, if they know this is what they are projecting, this is what they are doing or feeling, how can they begin to change? Well, you know, I'm obviously I'm biased because, you know, I try to put this, the answers together in this book, but um, the, the way I designed the book and, and really the process I went through is I had to learn and then I had to unlearn and then I had to relearn. And so the first thing is we've got to, we're talking a lot about this here, we're, we're learning about you know the, the our behaviors and the challenges we face because of we're mistaken about how we see ourselves and because of you know all the judgment and, and in your case being ostracized and or mistreated or whatever you went through as a kid right that's that that helps to explain why you don't quite feel right about yourself and uh, there's nothing wrong with you as I said what's wrong is just the wrongs that you believe about yourself. And so that's the first stage. Now, the traditional path that most people take, you know, the narrative in our society since about the 50s 
is go to your doctor and get pills or go to therapy. Right. Exactly. And, and that, that clearly isn't working um, because our mental health system is worse than ever, not because of what's going on in the world. It's because the system has perpetuated more mental health problems. So okay? is the system broken, would you say? Is yes. <laughs> yeah, because it, in, in our model, we're not going after the cure, the cause yes. of anxiety, depression. We're just masking it up and we're living with our anxiety and depression. Right. I had severe anxiety and depression and I rid myself of it. Okay. Because I went after the root cause. Why was I anxious? Anxious, anxiety is just simply fear of the future. That's all it is. And why do we worry about the future? Because we don't believe in ourselves or we don't like ourselves or we don't feel good or we have, we have guilt and resentment because we dwell on the past and we have shame. You know, one of the chapters in the book is called, you should be ashamed, right? We've heard that as a kid. You should be ashamed, Alka. I can't believe you did that. You should be ashamed. And so we, we live with shame. Um, shame is a temporary emotion, Okay, it's not a permanent emotion. It's supposed to be temporary. Shame is actually a, a useful emotion that basically is used to bring your attention or consciousness to some impropriety, impropriety, or some shortcoming, something that is really wrong. And so it's good to be ashamed. I did something wrong, but then I correct, but I don't carry on the shame, right? And so what we got to do is I don't think we should go the traditional route. I mean, therapy can be good <clears throat> to kind of uncover the story. You can, you can learn like I did and go, ah, but then we have to unlearn all the junk that was drilled into us as a kid. Like one of the chapters called the big con. We were conned <laughs> to believe things. Right. Um, another chapter is called poison. We were, stuff was just poured down our throats and we were made to swallow it, you know? Uh, it happens in cultures. It happens to women. It happens to boys, to girls. I mean, all this stuff. And so we have to do is we have to unlearn and then we relearn. And basically what we do is we just, we just make up our own rules. Uh, there's only three sets of rules you should follow. Okay. You shouldn't follow man-made rules. You should follow God-made rules. You should follow the rules of nature. Okay. Like, if I let this go, it does not fall up, it falls down. Okay, that's a, that's a rule of nature, right? Gravity. There's rules of nature that we have to follow. Um, one of them I mentioned, cause and effect, you know, put out good, you get good back. Um, and then the other rules are the ones that we make up that suit us so we feel good about ourselves and that we fit into the world the way we want to fit in so we can do what we want to do while we're in this world. You know, and um, that's the process. It's just learn, unlearn, and relearn. So I, I, over 30 chapters and 30 principles, I just, I give you, and each chapter is like five minutes long. It's very short. I just, I make a really point, a really strong point. I try to change your mind. I use my story to get your attention, change your mind. And then while I got your mind changed, I get you to take an action step. I get you to either answer a question or take an action step. And over 30 days or 30 chapters, I just get you to move and change your mind, move and change your mind, move and change your mind, learn, unlearn, relearn. And then very quickly you go, man, I can't believe I was doing this for so long. So exactly. that's, what I, that's what I suggest. 
Exactly. But it's an amazing book. And so, guys, you need to get Doug's book, Mistaken Identity. It truly is just, it's just wonderfully laid out. You've got the action steps and what people need to do. And I think that really sort of uh, helps people as to what they are going through and just truly helps them. My final question, Doug, is if today... Of all the accomplishments that you have achieved, achieving a great success in your life today, and if tomorrow all your files were deleted, what are three things you want people to learn from you? I love that question. Um, well, I've said it. Um, <clears throat> um, stop trying to fix yourself. Um, just be yourself. Um you, you've got to distance yourself every day from worrying what people think of you. And if you just each day, one day at a time, just distance yourself from that each day. And you mentioned affirmations. That's a great way to do it. I have an affirmation that I, I read every day. I've been reading it since Bob gave it to me. And I refuse to worry what people are thinking about me. And, and, and people ask me, I remember a period where they were, they're going, how are you doing? Like, so this was when really things were really transforming, really changing fast. How are you doing, Doug? I said, you know, I'm so good. I'm the farthest I've ever been from worrying what people think. And Bob kept saying, he goes, Doug, he said, do not worry about what other people think about you. It will drive you crazy. He said, right. yeah. and the last one was, he said, and I think is stop thinking about yourself. Okay. He said, if you stop thinking about yourself, Doug, you won't find anything wrong with yourself. We're so, he said, Doug, you're so self-centered. And so we have to stop being so centered on ourselves. We have to just go out. I just spend my days just trying to help other people and just see the good and get them to make a move. I really try to keep the attention off me because if I think about me, I'll find all kinds of things wrong with me. And that's not going to help anybody. So that would be nothing wrong with you. Don't try to fix yourself. Just be yourself. Um, and uh, just try to go out there and and uh, just do good, help other people, stop worrying about yourself, and definitely stop worrying what people are thinking of you. Because they're not. They're thinking about themselves. It's always in our head that yes. what people are saying. It's, it's in our head. Exactly. It's our yeah. perception of what it, you know, what's people are saying. Yeah. It's absolutely, Doug. Um love amazing interview really great uh conversation so where Thank can you. people get in touch with you yeah i mean you can you can obviously google me online doug dane uh, go to my website dougdane.com uh you can order the book um through my website in that we capture your email address because what we do is we give you a workbook with the the book um and we also give you a free access. I, I put together a little course, a little series of videos where I'm talking to you each day about the chapter. So we give all that away. If you come to our website, and give us your email address um, or just, you know, and then we redirect it to you know your store, but anywhere online, you can get the book, of course, Amazon uh, here in Canada, Indigo or Amazon, whatever you prefer. Um, your store can order it for you if they don't have it in, in stock, but yeah, just Doug Dane and you'll find me. Amazing. Thank you, Doug. So truly appreciate it. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Well, there you have it. Amazing interview with Doug Dane. So if you like the conversation, 
hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. Why? Because of our amazing guests. Now, if you are following, if you're watching or listening on other platforms, follow us on other channels. Bye for now. Oh, 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 o